This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Off the Break Podcast. How was your guys' weekend? Week? How's things going? How's life? <laughs> uh, Let's I, get I this think banter off. Right. I think it's going okay for myself. Let's just... <laughs> Let's just get into the fact that Cody is really excited that I get to do my first retraction this week. Yeah. What? Ken misled us and we reported bad information. Ken, how could you? How could I? Well, the response I got from the distribution company was a little... uh, It was pretty clear in the email. (laughs) Somebody just didn't read it right or read it at all. So Netflix is going... 600 locations for Knives Out to the Bloomin' Onion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Otherwise known as Glass Onion. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> and last week I said they weren't going, they were going to the big three, Cinemark, only. Regal, and AMC only. Only, that's the key word. And that is not the case. They will be playing in a half dozen independent locations who qualify based on grossing history from Knives Out 1. Yeah, so, so that line was in the email, and you did yes. not read that line. And he did not read it that line. It was not in that <laughs> It was in the email. Anyway. To be fair, it wasn't in the trades either. I was but looking if, on the deadlines yes. of varieties. They were saying it was in those three chains. But right. if you're listening to this podcast, you do not qualify for this no. film. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably accurate. Or if you somehow do, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah. So they did took the top 600 locations, mostly AMC, Regal, and Cinemarks. And then they had a hold, like they had a baseline figures that you had to make on the first Knives Out. Over the three-day weekend, it was around a $10,000 cutoff. So if you made $10,000 in the first uh, knives out on that three-day weekend, you would have been in contention for that 600 print count. Um, but I think everybody forgets that that was the weekend of Frozen 2. And so nobody was giving knives out that many screens that way <laughs> that yeah. weekend. That would, that would have something to do with it. Yeah. It would make more sense. That definitely hurt a bunch of the locations I'm aware of. <laughs> so Because you had to live through it. <laughs> and, and nobody's told everybody that it was a Wednesday opening. I forgot about that. So there's a couple days of, you know, of grosses that could have been wrapped up into that Friday, Saturday, Sunday where it should have been, but it wasn't. So, yeah, that's okay. Still wouldn't have made the cut in most of my spots. I'm just bitter about it. Any of your spots. Any spots we've ever even heard of. No, we know we we have we have circuits that are top five hundred circuits, and that they didn't get it because that weekend they had over screened Frozen Two and under screened Knives Out. Now that was rectified in the weeks after and the days after, as Frozen Two kind of went down, Knives and Knives Out grew. I think everybody forgets that Knives Out, while it was a very big movie, was a slow burn. It it was yeah. it was yeah. big because word of mouth made it big. It was, you know, it this is a good movie, it go was... out and see it, and it had what we call legs, and it and it gained over time. It wasn't like a bam, flash in the pan, big opening. So nobody was. And it was also Lionsgate, so yeah. it had a smaller print count, and yeah, didn't go everywhere. And... No. Okay. Well, let's move on. 
can officially retracted it. So yes, there are some Marcuses and Harkins out there that got this movie. Also, I still think we were right. We were for the most part like ninety five percent right. I, I think our I think it's probably closer to ninety nine. But anyway, <laughs> the points we made still stand in the last episode, yeah. which you should check out and listen to if you haven't already. But uh, it it's still it, we still had to retract that because it wasn't fully correct what we were. I did have a line about was. how Harkins and Marcus should be pissed that they didn't get any. Well, they well, did. They in some spots. Yeah, but they also, got like one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> By they a got, technicality, so we were wrong. Retracted, yeah. but sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, you go, Ken. You, what were you? What do you need to talk about? Well, uh, sorry, not sorry. I wanted to see what Kyle thought of the new Halloween ends. Mm-hmm. Me, all me. I want to see what you saw. I I have my very strong opinions about the film. And about, I have uh, very strong opinions about how you both viewed this film, but we'll talk about that afterwards. Well, as do I. <laughs> uh, well, for me, a person who saw it in a movie theater, I I think not I with like... his work family, by the way. That's where my strong opinion comes in at. <laughs> but go on, Kyle. How did you enjoy it with your other friends? You may, con- you may continue. <laughs> the ones that don't treat you like family. Agreed to disagree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I enjoyed it. I think um, not all of it works for me, but it was ambitious in the story that I decided to told or tell because it wasn't like the other Halloween movies where it's, oh, guess what? Michael Myers is back and he's killing people. Who saw that coming? He's escaped. <laughs> he <laughs> finds a knife and his mask. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have, it, it's not that type of story again. Like it still carries on from the last two movies, but I was just expecting another movie with michael myers at the forefront but this time he's more in the back of the story until you know the end of the movie literally in the shadows literally in the shadows yes and it focuses more on a new character who has his own struggles because of a misunderstanding of um an incident that he was involved with and then it just shows this character slowly unraveling into becoming of Michael Myers of sorts where it's kind of out of his control and it's an unfortunate circumstance that happened to him. But it was interesting in how they played that part of the story to me. And it also works pretty well with the tie-ins to Laurie Strode and what's going on um, with her. Cause it's, this movie is a part of a time jump and she's kind of grown and moved on from it, but at the same time still has to have her own dealings of all these incidents involving her and Michael as well. So I don't think this new type of story that they were telling works all the way through, but I appreciate the effort that it made to do something different, especially for an ending or a supposed ending of this franchise. And I, I think it works because of that. Cause the, the kills are still fun on top of it. They're still entertaining, but it also has like an underlying um, uncomfortableness to it, more of a grit to itself as compared to the last two movies, which were scary, but fun. Mm-hmm. And this one just had such a different tone to it on top of going in a different direction in its story that I wasn't expecting, but I appreciate it for those um, merits. What do you think, Ken? What was your problem with the way I watched the film? (sighs) (laughs) That you watched it on your cell phone and weren't paying attention to family time while you were doing it. I was working. 
<laughs> it's for work, Cody. It was for work. Yeah. Well, someone has to pay the bills around here. I <laughs> will commend Ken, though, on really sticking it to our local cinema chain because they suck and they're and Universal gave us an out on it. So thank you, Universal, for not making us have to go to it, that theater. <laughs> well, I echo everything Kyle said. I think it was... You know, I, I'm just glad I didn't waste two hours watching it. I, it's <laughs> yeah. entirely possible a third of a horror film franchise is a waste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not too many that go. I feel like that's the show. second film was a waste. Why? You no, know, no, no, there was no. The second film was not well received, but the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes of the second film were. They were great. They were great. Yeah. They were I would cool. put them up there as far as how they delivered as far as they weren't. They weren't a waste of time. Sure. The second one wasn't a waste of time. None of these were. They were well well written, very well directed. This one took a completely different turn with you know, the uh the kid being the main the main antagonist. Of sorts, yeah. Yeah. And uh the ending was I poignant's not the right word, but it was a, a good ending with an incredible practical effect at the very end. That yeah, we I appreciated about. it. <laughs> I appreciated that. I mean, as there's well. plenty of ways to end end one of these slasher horror films. I really enjoyed how they ended Halloween. I'm glad yeah. that they ended it and it just wasn't like Or oh, will they? Or will there was, they? There was no open ending, which yeah. was which was good. You didn't think so? No, did you? Just the very last shot it had that whisper in my head of like or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because you're so conditioned now. I, I think that's part of it too, where you always have to have that teaser at the end. Ooh, that one thing could come back. But yeah. no, you're probably right. I think that no. pretty cl- it closes no. that chapter. No, nobody comes back from that ending. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Halloween Kills, <laughs> that guy got beat up pretty good and he still manages to come back. So I just I just don't trust his franchise at this point. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> I don't trust the killer in this movie yeah. to not stay dead. I don't trust us. <laughs> at least he's honest or... about that he's going to kill people, but right. honest about dying. He's very I don't he's trust living him. his authentic self. He's, yeah. He's honest. We've never heard him speak. <laughs> <laughs> honest it, honest in his <laughs> in he, his uh, his honest uh, actions. Honest actions. Thank you. I was trying to find the word for it. Um but I I do wonder if most people are going to echo Ken and I, or if this is kind of going to be in the territory of a quote unquote divided movie to where people think it's either underrated and actually pretty good, or they're going to think that it's possibly even worse than the last movie. I just could see that situation happening. I'm going to go out on a limb and have the hottest take that these three movies, the best thing that's going to come out of these is the fact that now hopefully David Gordon Green and Danny McBride write their own horror film franchise without their any, own original. Without any mythology involved, there's no origin story. There's nothing. They go completely on their own. It's funny that you say that because I just read that that director is possibly getting the Exorcist franchise. No, just <laughs> I do think, your own thing. No, I, I know. I, I agree. think they're going to create a new trilogy and revamp the Exorcist next. Well, I, I mean, think is what their plan is. If I was warner brothers and own the exorcist property that's what i would do too i would go after that guy yeah and that writing team to do it but just do your own thing yeah there's there's no gonna be no shortage of money for you to go out and create these things after these three films no definitely not especially in the realm of horror where they're 
cheap to make anyway. But I want to see a, I mean, they're obviously both funny and can create a story, but I want to see them do their own Shaun of the Dead, their own Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I want to see yeah. them do their own completely original storyline. Yeah, I totally to agree. In the Halloween mm. universe. Also, Exorcist isn't Halloween either. Like, seeing Exorcist and franchise next to each other just looked wrong. Like, I don't view it as a franchise. I, but then again, I only think of, like, maybe, the one great movie. Maybe Poltergeist but... is a better one to go after then. Because I felt like it could be more of a franchise. I have franchise. no idea. No. None of these are. Uh, no? Okay. No. I mean, these were such... I mean, yes, Halloween was iconic. But they also made... This was the 13th film in the Halloween franchise. However many, so, yeah. I mean, and they've done that with... They've tried Exorcist or Exorcism in films. And Poltergeist has had bad sequels. Yeah. And, it's let's let's try something new we yeah. have we have the energy we have people that can actually pull this off yeah let's try something new absolutely well i did have one question and i asked ken and he didn't really have an answer did it ever explain why this evil that had encompassed michael myers this personification of evil was so obsessed with Lori? like what was there anything special about her or is that she just kept surviving <laughs> Um, no, it doesn't explain that, but I would assume with the people making this part of the franchise that they're only thinking it's the fact that she can survive and that's the drive. Although it doesn't explicitly, explicitly tell you that. Yeah. That's just how I perceive it now. That she's the only person he went after that got away. Wasn't, that got away. Yeah, and kept getting it. away over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Although the in Halloween Kills when... You know, it's the entity of evil that encompasses him, and that's what's tearing this town apart. Like, that was also very obnoxious to me in that movie. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of glad that... I thought they were setting up pieces, like, for explaining why this character keeps coming back. Like, what makes him superhuman? What makes him drive to kill? And what well, why he can't did be that I think partially with the original Halloween 2 and with... Uh, Halloween 3 season of the witch like they right. did a little bit of that and tried to make it supernatural but it's yeah. I don't know at the same time I don't think that ever was the point of the original movie to begin with it was always just supposed to be some guy likes to kill people and that's the terrifying part of it there's not Ooh. a rhyme or reason why he's just crazy mm. and, and that's kind of what I like about when the movies do that yeah and shout out to the two best actors in this franchise the guy who plays Michael Myers does two of the patented Michael Myers sit-ups in this movie. Yes. <laughs> awesome. When he's flat on his back and then he just rises without moving his legs, it's like, yes. He has a sense of humor. I have and to then, appreciate that. And then the African-American sheriff is awesome. Oh, yeah. Anytime he, he steps out of the car, I just applaud in my head. He's had, he's had maybe six to ten lines in this whole three-film mm -hmm. franchise, and every word is perfect yep like, this guy just nails it he knew the role he knew the assignment <laughs> and major props to him he's awesome so yeah i hope Michael this movie Myers, ends well free on halloween <laughs> <laughs> that's the first words he says in the whole franchise and it's so perfect he's got a black cowboy hat and everything. fantastic uh, yeah one of the best characters of th th these three movies for sure <laughs> Well, I think it'll do it'll do some impressive numbers this weekend. It's already it, over Halloween number two for the Thursday night. Yeah, it did mm. five million. Yeah, five point four. So mm -hmm. 
We're expecting fifty million dollar opening. I would At think. least a fifty million dollar opening. I would. Yeah, for Dane Day release too. I I think that's solid. Yeah, and the yeah. third of a movie, so it's always gonna go down. Right. So I don't know. Not surprising. I just hope that it has better legs than the last movie. I just but... don't think it will because it's yeah. it, it's heading right into Black Adam, which which is PG thirteen title. Yeah. And a theater exclusive. And it's heading right into Black Panther, which yep. I'm hearing pre-sales for that are going really well, mm-hmm. actually. They've had to open up some more screens in some places. And then so. if, for our like hardcore horror fans, they're going to see it. They're not going to see it multiple times. And then we have Pray for the Devil on Halloween weekend, which is going to draw mm-hmm. any of that audience in. Possibly. Yep. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't have too much confidence in that one. Oh, I, I have think. zero confidence yeah. in it. But I think if you're if you've already seen... Halloween, you're not going to go back to it. Well, let's see. If you've already seen, yeah. If you've already seen Barbarian, Smile, Pearl, Pearl, now Halloween. I think you're probably apt to see that one too. Now you're just Might going. As well. to, you're just going to the or or if even you're going to the Halloween party. Yeah. That you're about to throw. So maybe they're not even going to show up. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Halloween weekend's always a terrible weekend. Yeah. You think it's going to be good. It helps that it's on a Monday, but yeah. there's always still activities on the weekend. There yeah, is. absolutely. Well, speaking of things that stink, we got a uh, new article from with Martin Scorsese. Oh, <laughs> uh, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> How can you do things so right, like praise Pearl, Yeah. and then do things so wrong? Yeah. Just He just sounds like a grumpy man, just ran, ranting and raving. But Kyle, tell us what, tell get, us what his, his, this rant is all about. Get off my lawn. Uh, yeah. He was at a, uh, uh, the New York film festival and he was giving, I don't know if it was a speech or just like a talking point of some kind, but uh, basically he was just drawing up a point that um, since the eighties, there's just a, so much of a focus on box office numbers, especially from the studio end of things. And, he views it as repulsive, and while he understands the cost of the movie is one thing, um, understand that a film costs a certain amount, they expect to at least get the amount back. The emphasis is now in numbers, cost, the opening weekend, how much it made in the USA, how much blah, blah, blah in the entire world. As a filmmaker and as a person who can't imagine life without cinemas, I always find it really insulting. So I think with what he's saying, he's partially right, but he is coming at it from an artistic perspective who's not driven by the numbers and the data but just rather the art of cinema from an old money director (laughs) right i I do think that he comes from it from a perspective of a different much different time like Mm -hmm. he was saying since the 80s since this time when more when filmmaking has turned when the studio system has turned more corporate there's been an emphasis as it more of a business than a than an artistic endeavor and I can see that. I think this has always been a business and that, you know. It just has become more apparent, perhaps. It's very more transparent that it's yeah. a business. Once we got rid of the casting couches, the uh, industry really fell apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do think. Not like the good old days. I do think that um, some of the things he doesn't like, you know, the emphasis on the opening weekend, the run of the length of the run of a film. Those are things that I don't know if that's been a change solely on corporate i do think it's probably a reaction to changes in audience tastes and and timelines and i just don't think you know 
we were talking in the office the other day about what was that there was a a theater in denver and they were talking about how the west was one and they had it for like two years and it sold out multiple shows over that two-year period you just don't do that anymore sure you just don't have a film that gets featured for even i would even say six months at a time like the, the audience interest in the films wanes so quickly that i I don't, you know, part of what he's upset, I think, against is that slow burn, that discovery of a film, that that cultural part where people then talk about it and then they go back and they live it again, like that, really that living in a film. And and audiences just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And we, you know, we're lucky if we get them to go back and see them. I think the closest we've ever had to that in the last few years was Top Gun this year. Was that going back, that talking about it, that living in it and just being happy in that moment. They just, audiences don't do that with film very much anymore. It is just purely a quick burn entertainment digestive thing. Like what, what, just put it in my in my system now and then it burns out quick. Give it to me now or why yep. should I care later? But exactly. Correct. Even with the biggest movies that we've had in the last five years. I mean, there were no talking points with Lion King after it opened. You know, nobody went back to Avengers Endgame. I mean, there are there are subsets of the of those franchises that have fans that do go back and relive stuff, but they're also consuming comics and they're creating their own little worlds. And there's a fandom there that is just not part of the general audience that I wouldn't even say ever translated in before that the fandom is its own thing but the general audience living in a film going and seeing it over months and months and months we just we don't have that anymore and and so he's he's complaining about it in the context of like the corporate emphasis on the business side but Mm -hmm. i think it's also a sad reality of where audiences are and how audiences consume cinema now yeah it's just i think what it boils down to is audience behavior and then businesses being businesses yeah. and seeing where the money is going and how the money is making they do have to pivot and think about that so, um i mean i i don't dislike or i do dislike too that it is that driven and it is the way that it is now i'd rather people or audience behavior does change back to where it once was but you know i have my frustrations with scorsese about too but at the right. same time like you can't also ignore that this is still a business and profits do have to be do made to wish, some degree. Yeah, I do wish that the that the trades and the media reporting wouldn't emphasize it so much. It's just that the media doesn't have anything else to report on with these films. They don't mm-hmm. really understand how that how they're doing. So all they have access to and all they have insight into are you know the box office numbers. But right. I. It would be nice if, you know, if, if that narrative didn't pervade the whole industry. Kind of, It's kind of similar to when they talk about, like, say, Cine, uh, Regal and Cineworld filing for bankruptcy. I've had a lot of people not in our industry comment about how, oh, cine- are you guys doing okay? Are cinemas doing okay? Are you hurting in your business and i'm like no we're fine like it's coming back regal is not the (laughs) yeah but but that but that's all our industry but Mm -hmm. that's all they get in the media because it's like get that headline yeah they get that headline it's like as the big three go so does the whole industry which is not correct and is not the case and so i do think media plays a little bit into that obsession 
obviously corporate business plays into that. And then audience tastes. And, you know, you can't control any of those aspects, but it, it doesn't hurt him to to talk about talk about the cha- that change because he has that historical perspective much more so than anybody I think. Oh, for sure. Oh, as the as says the guy that you know had a, a film with Paramount and told them to screw off because Netflix was going to give them fifty million dollars more to use the de aging technology. Yeah, and then he so did he the could same have thing. who he wanted. Then he did the it. same thing to Netflix to <laughs> to shoot a movie over at Paramount. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, says the guy who, you know, hasn't made a movie for less than $100 million in 30 years. I, in a, I swear, that, that was in one a of good my, chunk of time, yeah. That was one of my comments. I'm like, maybe he just needs to learn to make cheaper movies. Like, I mean, maybe movies that audiences will mass consume on a certain level so that he mm-hmm. make because it is, initially when I saw the headline, I felt like it was coming it was an attack on him coming from uh, your movies don't make back the costs. Like this is basic business so, principles. Yeah, I mean, Apple's new movie with him is 200 million to make or something like that. And it's whether it's a theatrical release or not, like how would you break even on it's that? Set, it's set in Oklahoma, which has to in be like the, the 1800s. <laughs> no, it's right? like with the, it's, I think the FBI is involved still. So I think it's like the forties or the fifties. Oh, I must. Okay. Yeah. You're but probably right. It's still like, it's shot in Oklahoma. Like you could, you can buy a county in Oklahoma for less than two hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, you can like, probably buy a, a couple of them. So Marty, maybe just bump down those costs just a little bit. Like we get what you're saying, but if, you also have to meet in the middle at a Pearl certain scared, degree. If Pearl scared the poop out of him. There's no, you know, on its tiny budget, then he has for two to, million. Yeah, yeah, he has to under like appreciate the fact that filmmaking can be done on any budget and still have that artistic value and that still can, that can still have that impact that impact audience could impact. still make its money back couldn't, couldn't even <laughs> afford color with raging bull but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but now he's so high class that mm-hmm. no it, it's so interesting too just because i also see how audiences respond to box office numbers and it's not every type of audience, but there are certain types of groups that really take box office openings and box office totals very seriously. Mm-hmm. I think partially because they want their certain type of franchise to be able to succeed or other ones to fail. So th- that's possible that his comments could also be tying into that aspect. I think it's more industry related, but I think there is that other aspect of it too, where at least for my um for me personally, it drives me nuts because yeah. it's weird. Our industry and professional sports are the only two that have these eye-popping numbers that people kind of communicate to each other. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can sell one tech company to another tech company, and it doesn't affect Joe in Minneapolis. Sure. It doesn't affect his life. Yeah. But if they sign a quarterback for a $250 million contract, mm-hmm. then he gets excited. You know, or if Spider-Man opens yeah. to $250 million, he can relate to all of those things. Yeah. In like, I know this sport. I know this movie franchise. And those are things that people outside of our industry communicate to each other. So it's it's one of those colloquialisms that we have as a society i do think think that's a good point that it is an accessible industry to the lay person it is definitely not and uh as far as industry goes the value of uh the cinema in the filmmaking industry is you know like a 40 we're a 40 billion dollar industry whereas you know something like 
manufacturing or steel or pharmaceuticals are trillion dollar industries. Like yeah. we are, a, I don't want to say a nothing industry, but we are, we are a small potatoes industry out there according to the amount of money and things that other, even just some companies like what Facebook can make, let alone, like one company can make, let sure. alone our whole industry and all the companies tied to it. So, but unlike, unlike those businesses and, and stuff, Ken's right we are accessible, we pervade people's lives and it's becoming less so, but the idea of media and, and entertainment is still at the forefront and of people's culture and their identity. So, and I wonder if, uh, when it comes to the cultural and identity aspect of it, if people follow, movies or go out to see certain movies based on like box office numbers absolutely i, oh, I think they, sure. i think they, they would have to equate like oh this must be good because it made this much money i think many, that there's a bit of that how many mondays of the year out of 52 do you get an email that says number one movie at the box office this weekend here's some new graphics yeah it's <laughs> and even i'm scratching my head going it made it made okay. seven and a half million dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're but number, you're only number one because there were no other options. Yeah, but they're still like, but that's easy di- to digest. I'm number one at something. This film was number one at something. Correct. Like, I know it's, but it that's it makes our job harder when the say the number four film or the number three or what gets me is the number three. Well, we're still in the top three. You made two million dollars. <laughs> I had theaters do a hundred dollars with your film. I don't care that you're in the top three. That right. a, a top three of nothing is still nothing. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's so many just different scenarios about schedulings and audience perception. interests and perceptions that play into whether something really is like number one or good or not box office numbers don't always equate to that no they help i mean they, they don't equate yeah they help because we want you know people to show up to theaters continuously and going to check out these movies but you know it, it's also kind of annoying at the same time yeah. when that equates into it so much so again it's just that balance of i get your complaints but also there are reasons <laughs> business reasons for just these decisions interesting. he's he's still creating a narrative and we're still talking about his comments because he does hold some sway in the industry. There were some other Hollywood comments I wanted to talk about this week. Yeah. We got to get our, our pop culture roundup. Yeah. Let's do it. Donna Langley with universal gave an interview and this was Kyle's topic this week. So we've been excited for this for a few years. Tom Cruise once said that he's wanting to make a movie in outer space. We joked about it because physically it, actually yeah, in outer no space. No CG, yeah. well probably some CGI, but no probably a lot of CGI. <laughs> Walk that one back. But but <laughs> at least when it comes to him like being in space, like doing the actual space stuff, he could right. be there. Like he could actually be in space and uh the universal president was I guess asked a question about that movie and they were like, "Oh, it's nope." We're going to make sure that he's the first civilian to do a spacewalk outside the space Not station. Not even just in space. <laughs> yeah. This is, this took it to a the, whole nother this level. Isn't, this isn't one of those cheap, like blue orbit flight, whatever, where you're like, you kind of go up and you, you mm-hmm. get into that lower space orbit and you're like, I'm in space. And yeah. then you come like down. Like how they shot Apollo 13. Yeah. Like right. Where just, they just <laughs> consistently went up and down and. No, this weightless. is like 
full international on. space station up top that he like to space people. nobody yeah. nobody was saying that this was part of the whole equation no spacewalk no. was part of, part of this talk he was just going to be in space yeah for sure yeah. this but movie i don't even know what the title is what the story is i know tom cruise is in it and he's going to do a spacewalk and freaking out how space. is it not a mission impossible movie it has to be no. right no no this is in universal's this is playground be awesome. oh it's this probably is... Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what the franchise dino- do the they dinosaur? have? Yeah. Is it the Mummy sequel? <laughs> yeah. I don't care. It's going to make a yeah. billion who, dollars. Who cares? I'm yeah. in. I am 1,000% in. This is what theaters were made for. It could be <laughs> Friday the 13th in space, which they've made already <laughs> but, with Tom Cruise. But this time they're in space. I'm in. The actual... Outer space. I don't care if it's just him doing a TED talk about how crazy he is. I'm watching this. Yeah, as long as it's in space. No, I I saw that and I was like, I thought that they were just gonna be like, oh sure, that could be a thing, and then move on to Fast and Furious twelve teen. And no, they're I guess they're still gonna go forward with it. They're gonna make it happen. Fast and Furious sixty five million years ago. Yeah, <laughs> in space. Uh, that movie is still going to happen, of course. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right. Which one of you wants to go next? Um, I'll go. We got some unfortunate news today that the gentleman that played Hagrid, Robbie Coltrane, passed away. Mm-hmm. So we, won't, we don't have our beloved Hagrid anymore because you cannot. Hagrid can't be anybody else but him now. Just like wait. that is just who it is. Just yeah, they were yeah he was uh, 72 years old. We're going to talk about who I they're replacing looked, with my topic in a minute. I he looked great for his age, by the way. No, yeah, 72, always, yeah. I, I've seen some 72-year-olds. That man did not look big like guys, he was 72. Big yeah. guys don't make it to 72 very often. <laughs> He's a big dude. <laughs> yeah, but he was so beloved in that role. And yeah. um, as someone growing up with that franchise, it was sad to hear that news for sure. Um, but... I, yeah, he was a bigger dude, but at the same time, he still, you know, looked oh. like he was kicking it. He was. He I mean, he was great. I, I thought he was in that Harry Potter anniversary thing that HBO did, and still, still seemed like he was doing good. But this could have just been like a very sudden ailment yeah. of some kind. We, release, we don't know. I, we they don't know what's going what it was. on. Well, that was a, my sad news that I just had to bring up because we found out today. But my original fun pop culture reference oh. that led to some fun talks in the office was uh cardi b had her 30th birthday party and Ooh. i know she's awesome and jamie fox showed up with an entourage of course. and uh, was not let in because he had like 10 people with him and they're like we don't have room for you and your people <laughs> in here and he was all upset about it but i was like is jamie fox still important or cool enough to have an entourage first of all oh he's still cool cody i what was the last thing he was in he's won an oscar (laughs) i i just not recently it's been a few years but i i think he's still cool that guy that guy still has it i mean but what has he been in recently like i mean nothing good but so who cares he's he's made his money he's done his time let him have an entourage and be cool. I'm not saying pick he doesn't an actor, deserve an entourage, an but like a ten-person one. Have a movie released this year? What have they been in lately? Oh. <laughs> Jesus! I just I don't. Billy Crystal, what's that guy been doing? Samuel Jackson, you're worthless. Yeah, but Billy Crystal <laughs> wouldn't be showing up to Cardi B's party, like. No, but wouldn't that? Be oh, a he would have a story. No, that I. Yeah, that would have been weird. He, he made it in. <laughs> he made it in. He he made it in the front door and then was asked to leave. They're like, "You lost, sir." Yeah. <laughs> 
the old folks home is down the <laughs> yeah, road it's that way <laughs> i like to think billy crystal could have gotten in <laughs> maybe I, but does it, cardi b even know who billy crystal is no of course not <laughs> i think Definitely i not. think cardi b would scare billy crystal maybe i don't know billy crystal also seems cool he could pull off an entourage <laughs> yeah. yeah he needs an entourage of nurses <laughs> to follow him around i didn't think jamie fox was there yet <laughs> no he's still he's still doing really well for himself okay. let the guy be let the guy okay. party with his boys it's fine <laughs> cody just it's jamie fox <laughs> he's literally been in entertainment for like 40 years and he's like 50 years old <laughs> He had his own sitcom when he was like 16. He can, he can do whatever he wants. Yes. Okay. He has all well, the power. Well, apparently not. Get into Cardi B's party. Well, sure. There's always one thing. Yeah. He'll get into the 31st. It's fine. Oh, okay. Anyways, I just thought that was fun. <laughs> that was going to be my my reference. What do you got, Ken? That we got news this week that they are rebooting the Naked Gun franchise with liam neeson my first, in the starring role my first comment was isn't that supposed to be funny and liam neeson hasn't been funny in a long time i don't think that's true i mean you you saw cold pursuit ken and you yeah. thought no he's funny it's a straight he, man it's a straight man role or is the situation no he's and dialogue dry humor funny like no, he is supposed to be dumb and aloof to the whole situation that's what leslie nielsen did right leslie nielsen wasn't but i thought funny. naked gun was slapstick it is it is yeah, but he's still is. he's trying to play the straight he, um things are happening macho to him around spy. him yeah and he's reacting to them in an aloof sort of way that makes it funny it's it i don't know if I it could know. be casted any better outside of leslie nielsen i, I think this is perfect I don't know. I don't know about this. I just can't imagine anyone else doing those movies anyway. So that's my, uh, that's why I'm having a hard time oh. thinking of it. But I can't doubt that Liam Neeson could pull it off. I am going through Leslie Nielsen's filmography, mm -hmm. and I want Liam Neeson to redo all of his roles. I think like Sam. Every movie. I think Sam Rockwell would have been a better casting choice. He seems more fun to me, like and I, funny. I don't know. I don't see that either. No. Didn't you ever see Mr. Right? I mm, that terrible which one, streaming which one movie. Was, which it's one, not streaming. Right. Came which out one was in that? Theaters with um, oh, the the oh, what's her name? Where he plays? I know it, but like, I don't want to say it. Yeah, and what's her name? Anna Kendrick. Yeah, it's Anna Kendrick. Anyway, and he plays like a uh, assassin, you know, like guy, and he wants to get out of the business, but they're after him and they're trying to kill him. But how did you find a? knockoff of a spoof movie i didn't find a knockoff of a spoof movie it's a good movie i mean you're i'm just saying that because your comparison to naked gun is mr right a movie no, no one has probably I, ever no seen. that was not my comparison i said that i don't recognize this sam rockwell is funny and he could play that like agent type the like a cia agent type i mean you could i don't know you could be right i just don't he's excellent I mean, he is excellent in everything. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. The, 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 Ken, the point, speak your piece. The point is <laughs> that Liam Neeson needs to redo all of these films no. now. He needs to be the bad guy in Surf Ninjas. <laughs> he needs to play Dracula in Dracula Dead and Loving It. He needs to redo every single Leslie Nielsen film going into his 80s. If that's the tail end of his career, 
I think that's a perfect career. Can you career. imagine the twist from becoming an action star at, starting at like 55? Mm-hmm. And then he becomes a full-blown like comedic actor starting at 70. <laughs> like... And at the beginning, he it was, started it was dramatic. Yeah, dramatic. He had like the the one comedy or two, yeah, maybe. But I mean, and, and then it was Rob Roy. It was Schindler's List. Yeah. I mean, it was like serious films. And then at the end of his at the end of his run, he's doing like slapstick comedies where he's falling out of his wheelchair. I think it's a I, great. I think that'd be a perfect career. I just can't. That's a perfect I can't arc. imagine it. I can't. I can't see it. I also don't. I, I also just don't think Mr. Right is a real movie. No, it is. I, oh, I looked it up. I just don't. I think you made that a Google page. I did. Not. <laughs> it's good. I don't know. I did. Was a little people Google this movie and come back I, to us I, on this because I think it's my only criticism. It's really good. My only criticism is that Anna Kendrick. Why are it, like, we talking the age about age difference this movie? of those two characters and they're supposed to be love interests? It's too great for me. Like it does. It, that to me is not very believable. Not yeah, that Sam sure. Rockwell couldn't pull a younger woman. I'm just saying it's gross. So okay. that's the only problem I had with that. But otherwise, it's all very good. Good job coming up with that little part of the movie that's not real. <laughs> yeah. But I I think that will wrap up our episode because that always seems like a good start, stopping yeah. point before it all spirals out of control. Big it grosses a on bit. Halloween ends this weekend and get prepared for Ticket to Paradise for your older crowd. And, and Black Adam. Black Adam for the Ticket younger Ticket to Paradise crowds. before Black Adam. Come on. We all know I it's Black Adam. Black Adam. The, the big box office hit yeah. that it probably will be for two weeks oh we are going to be skipping next week's podcast just so you're aware ken and i are going to be on the road visiting different theaters taking pictures meeting people we're gonna hopefully go to a nice theater and see black adam hopefully you guys have fun kissing hands and shaking babies yeah (laughs) you know hopefully the reverse of those but yeah okay (laughs) so we'll be on the road next week and We'll bring you some fun updates from our travels that when we cut co- when we come back the next week. Yeah, absolutely. So keep an eye on the podcast's uh, Facebook and Instagram pages because we might have some fun stuff to be showing up on there. Oh yeah, All right. Ken asleep at the wheel, us crashing. Ah! <laughs> no, nope. only fun stuff. Have Not, a great weekend, everybody. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at screeninsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.